Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin! This episode is sponsored by Formatted Books. Formatted Books is a book design company for independent authors who want to see their written work come alive. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of The Relatable Voice. Today, we are chatting with Ziva Bachman Plamha in New York City. Originally from Israel, she's a published author, including her memoir, War Widow, How the Six-Day War Changed My Life. So, Ziva, I am very, very happy to have you here today. Thank you, and, and thank you for having me. So, Ziva, I read something on your website that struck a chord with me. I read that you used to be a painter, even having exhibits and selling some of your work. I am an avid painter as well. Do you still paint now? Well, no, because teaching take all my, takes all my time, but I'm retiring This is my last semester, and I'm going to go back to painting. Yes, and I can see that you are very creative. How did you first get into writing? The first time I knew that I wrote well was actually at seventh grade. I had a teacher, you know, a language teacher, and we didn't get along so well. But then it was a time that uh, we had to write our first long essay and I was shocked when she praised it in, in you know in front of the whole class my essay and that I think was the first time and then I used to write little rhymes and, and yeah, little rhymes just for fun for my classmates about about what happened in school then as an academic I had to write you know stuff research you know an academic book sometimes I said oh my god this I wrote that can be and uh, but I think that the love of writing or the love of words came from my father my father was an avid reader he, he was always with a book even when there were people in our guests he didn't care he was always reading he was rude by doing that and he was a printer so every book that was out that was age-appropriate he used to bring me and I had to read it So as a teenager, I hated it because he made me read every book. And he used to say that books, reading books is the best education. I agree. 
Yeah, so the, I, it, it goes back there where I have to read every single book. And it was wonderful. I used to imagine, you know, the life of the, the heroine or the heroes, the protagonists, and identify with them or not identify with them. Uh, it was it was good. It was now I appreciate it, of course. Mm-hmm. But when I had to do it at 12, 13, 14, I, I didn't appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Teenagers yeah. prefer to do anything but, but reading, right? Sitting and reading. And you published your memoir in 2017 entitled right. was in 2017, yes? Right. And it's entitled War Widow. How the Six Days War Changed My Life. Ziva, can you tell us what inspired you to share your story? So uh, the book is extremely intimate, very, very intimate. I'll go back to why I started to write it. But once I started to write it, once I decided I'm writing a book, I said I'm writing everything. I'm going to be... Uh, 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 revealing many, many things that nobody knows about me, good and bad. But uh, I'm not going to lie and I'm going to write everything there is to write. Now, what prompted the book was um, I was in a conference. It's not even related to my book, but I was, uh, Israel and the Palestinians uh, signed a peace accord in 1993. And I was invited to a conference to give a paper. It was a huge conference. Queen Noor of Jordan at the time opened it. It was at Columbia University in New York. It was Friday and Saturday, two full days. And throughout the two full days of of, uh, papers, you know, panels, everybody was talking about the pain of Palestinian women, to which, to whom I'm very sympathetic. I think they should have a state. I think the Palestinians should have a state. I was very sympathetic. But I was very, I was also very upset that after two full days, nobody mentioned the suffering of the other side, mm-hmm. of Israeli women. So I looked at the crowd and spontaneously, if I thought about it, I wouldn't have done it because it, it was gutsy to do. Uh-huh. I shoved my paper, my prepared paper aside and I told the crowd everything that happened to me without uh, uh, leaving uh, any detail out, everything. And there was a crowd of about 100 people in the room. So I, I saw the faces and I heard their, you know, the voices. They were shocked. And at the end, when, when the conference was over, I was surrounded by a lot of Palestinian and Arab women. One, oh, for, at a certain time, at a, when I gave, when, when I talked, there was a certain point where I couldn't go on talking. It was too emotional. And that the emotion was, the part where I couldn't, I couldn't bear to talk about it, was not only was I widowed, but I was pregnant and I lost my unborn child. And I was in the hospital and the next day in the morning, nobody was with me. That's another story, what happened. The book is full of parts of the whole story that really is unbelievable what one person can go through and survive. And that's what the book is about. So um, 
I see my father-in-law walking the corridor. During the night, I had a miscarriage, and I see him in the morning coming to visit me. And I pray that he won't find me, because how can I tell him that I lost his grandchild? So when I was talking about that, it was too emotional, and I stopped, and I went back to my paper that I had prepared. Nobody cared about the paper. So at the end, I was surrounded by women that wanted to know more about me, everything about me. They asked questions. Uh, uh, what were the hospital you at? What's its name? Not, not, you know. And then uh, an Iraqi woman, she told me she was an Iraqi psychologist, touched me by, you know, accidentally. And she said to me, oh, your skin is so soft. So I said to her, what did you think my skin was? She said, well, we know you as very tough people. So anyhow. It was a, a, a very unique moment. Wow. And I decided that this moment has to be encapsulated in writing, in a paper. So I, I asked for, and I got a Fulbright scholarship, and I went to Israel. I didn't go to Palestine because there was the Intifada uprising, and it was too dangerous, but I had somebody who interviewed women for me. Her interviews weren't so good, and she's a story of her own. She couldn't, it's a whole big story. So I was going to write a book, compilate all those interviews together, and my story was to be the introduction. But then I think that uh, for the academia, the book was too anecdotal, and for the trade, I think the book was too academic. So nothing happened. And, and then I decided, you know, I have a story to tell. I always knew that I'll tell the story one day. And that's how, I start, how it started. It took me about seven years because it was not an easy thing to write. Ziva, you briefly mentioned receiving your husband's military tags this past summer. That just happened this summer. And can you tell us more about how that happened? It's a story that is almost surreal. I was in Israel. Every year, the government gives widows, bereaved families, a ticket to go to visit the grave of the fallen son or husband or brother. Uh, not brother, the son, sons and husbands. So I was there. I was quarantined because my serological test was false positive. The minute, and, and I'm on the phone every day with the, with the health ministry, get me out of this quarantine. So I'm get off this quarantine. I have two phones on my desk. One, my Israeli phone that I talk to the Ministry of Health. And as soon as I finish, my American phone is ringing. And on the phone, there is a young officer from the military who tells me, Ziva, yes, that's what they're calling me in New York. They didn't even know I was in Israel. This is such and such. And we have a military tag of your fallen husband. That was 54 years ago. So I, I couldn't talk. You know, it took me a while to get my words, my words back. So she couldn't explain to me, to me what it was, what tag it was. I have it somewhere. And what happened... The next day, the, the people who gave the tag to the army came to visit me at the hotel. So the people who came to visit me, there the, the was the son of the medic 
that treated my husband when he was injured. Now he was burned beyond recognition. I saw him, that's why I had my miscarriage. I saw him, really? I shouldn't have seen him, but I saw him and the military came to take me. And when I got to the hospital, the doctor told me, your husband's last wish was that you wouldn't see him because you're pregnant. But I didn't understand what it meant, you know, burnt. I was so young, I didn't understand. So I went in the room to see him. I not only I saw him, I also heard his, la his last breaths. Um, so I, I knew he was badly, badly injured. Now the tag is, a, is actually what I found out by doing research is a uh, triage tag. The son of the medic, how did the son discover it? I mean, this was 54 years ago because of COVID. He had time because of COVID, everybody was home. He had time to go through his father's things. And he remembered that his, his father told him about all, you know, some people that he, some soldiers that he treated, but among them, he remembered the story of treating a gravely injured man who fought for his life like a lion. I don't know if he knew how, how grave his situation was. I hope he didn't. But in my mind, he asked the medic to send him to a hospital. Because mm. he got to a hospital and he lived 36 hours. So this is the story about, I mean, the way they found me. So the son, after he found the, you know, the, the tag, decided, oh, and, and his father told him that he wanted, years ago, he wanted to give the tag back to the family, but he was afraid that he will reignite, you know, all the sorrow and the shock. And, and he was absolutely right because it did just that. It's almost surreal, it's, it's unbelievable. But like a few weeks later, I had a very tough time. Everything resurfaced. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. And Ziva, um, I want to discuss something very interesting that you brought up about the challenges mature female authors face when they want to publish their work. That's true. Can you elaborate more on the types? Well, first of all, to publish a book with a big company, with a big publishing company, you need an agent. And getting an agent after a certain age is impossible. And I know it for a fact because I had a colleague who was told that in those words, and he was going to publish another book 
with the same publisher that he had. And she told him, told him in so many words, I will not publish your book anymore because you're 82. Well, I'm not 82, but, and it, it, it's too old. I mean, what, what agents want is to have a long-term relationship with the authors. So they prefer to take very young authors with whom they can continue to publish. What would be your message for women out there who are trying to make a name for themselves, just like you are doing, whether as an author, an artist, or anything they want to be? I think it, it's hard. In my book, there is a story about a love, a love affair I had with a married man who was very, very famous in Israel. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't reveal his name. He was very famous, even in America. If I revealed his name, maybe the book would be published, but I, I, I wouldn't do that. It's unless uh, you write about a sensational book, uh, there was a woman, how many years ago? A few years ago, four years ago, maybe, who had an affair with President Kennedy. She was interviewed all over CNN and all, all over the stations. And the book was a bestseller maybe for a few days and then nobody heard from her. There is no chance. I mean, you, your book can be very, very good. But unless you have an agent, and even if you have an agent, that doesn't mean that the book is going to be published by a publisher. Uh, I published it in Hebrew also. And uh, first I wrote it in English, then I translated it to Hebrew, and then I went back to the English. Two years after the publication, I got a letter, an email, that they want to publish it. By that time, it was too late already. But this is a story, you know. How has the, the war and losing your husband, how has this affected your perspective on humanity? It, it's not just a war, you know, I'm coming from Israel and, and, you know, the Holocaust is still part of the Israeli psyche. And I have, I have I had two aunts that survived it and part of the family did not survive. And then I visited um, the, uh, some camps in Poland and you do not understand that human beings can become so evil. So human beings are good and benevolent, but human being can be also evil. And um, I don't know what makes one one way and another person the other way. And Siva, where can our listeners find you and, of course, your book? They can find me in my website. It's zivabachmanflamhaf.com. Facebook on LinkedIn, Instagram, mm-hmm. on Twitter. And also, you will be featured on our website, www.luciamatuonto.com, and also on our e-magazines, so our listeners will find you. Thank you. I hope so. Of course. And it was such a pleasure to speak with you. Today. Thank you very much. Of course. And I'm waiting for your phone call when you come to New York. Of course, we are going to have a coffee at Soho. I'm looking forward to it. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe 
so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.